0: You are listening to the IBC Podcast, your international baseball career guide. Play ball. Now, here's your host, David Burns.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sam Bat. Sam Bat has been the sponsor of the podcast since early 2015. They were the first ones on board. I swing Sam Bats myself, and I thoroughly enjoy them. So whether you're a club looking for a team order or an individual looking for a change and you want to learn more about Sam bats or want to put a Sambat in your hand, you can visit baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash Sambat. This episode is brought to you by 3N2 where you can customize your team from head to toe, everywhere from uniforms, to bags, to hoodies, to cleats, you name it. Also for any individual baseball or softball product needs, you can contact the International Baseball Community where we carry a variety of 3N2 products from turfs, to trainers, to cleats, pants, performance wear, umpire apparel, Batting gloves and bags, you name it, we got it here. So give us a shout, or you can visit the website baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash 3N2. This episode is brought to you by Pocket Radar, in particular the ball coach, which we're now offering in Europe and Australia through the international baseball community. What I enjoy about it is the small size of it, it's a, quite a bit smaller than your iPhone. Uh, Also, uh, if you were to do a little research on it, it has a four and a half star rating on Amazon and that's mostly due to its accuracy. Uh, You can compare it to some of the major radar guns out there and it's just as accurate. You can check out their YouTube video as well which demonstrates that. It's easy to use and super user friendly, You just throw it in your pocket, bring it with you to practice or to the game or on road trips, wherever you will need it. So if you're a coach or a club in Australia or Europe and you want to pick one up or learn more about it, you can head to www.baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash pocket radar. Hey guys, it's episode number 66 and today I have Josh Wyant on the podcast. Josh is one of the original members of my website when it launched back in late 2012. Uh, I believe he created a profile in 2013 and has since used it to basically play baseball in Europe every single year uh, in 2013, 14, and 15 uh, in France and Germany. And he has used it to also satisfy his thirst for world war history and uh, so has traveled around to the various sites around Europe uh, memorials and whatnot uh, and he'll tell you more about that in this podcast interview he plans to continue to keep coming back every year he works in the in the off season and comes back to Europe in the summer and uh, saves up a bunch of money so that he can uh, continue to travel and play baseball and do what he loves so uh, without further ado, let's get on with this podcast interview with Josh Wyatt. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Hey David, it's good to be here. Uh it's it's a long time coming. You're you're one of the the original members of the website. Uh so you know you've been overseas for a while, and uh this is our first time really sitting down and getting you on the podcast. But let's start off with um you know, your, your baseball background, uh, if you can just kind of summarize that a little bit and then um, tell us how how this led to a career overseas and, and how that came about.
0: Uh, yeah, um, of course, you know, same as always, I uh, grew up playing baseball. Um, in high school, I actually had two options to really pursue. I uh, was um, high on cross-country as well, so I was doing a lot of running but uh, around my junior year, I decided that baseball would be the route I'd want to take through college, and uh, I um, took the, a, a unique route through college. I went to three different colleges and played. Um, none of them were really a high-caliber school, I would say, not to disrespect any of them or anything, but uh, I started off, off at Winston-Salem State University in North Carolina for one year. And uh, Transferred to a JUCO right after that, Wilkes Community College, also in North Carolina. To um, you know, just play there for one year and see what happened after that, as far as getting recruited by a different school. And uh, I never really got recruited by anybody, so I uh, I kind of took the initiative into myself and uh, got on the email and started emailing teams. And uh, I think my sophomore year, I sent out to. Uh, Thirty-five to thirty-seven emails to different schools, and I had about three replies. <laughs> and uh, I picked the cheapest reply, which was uh, Lamont Owen College out in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, so I finished out my final two years there, playing. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a good experience, but uh, I uh, obviously was pretty well known to that. Baseball in the us was gonna end for me there and uh, so I got in I found out about uh, baseball jobs overseas the beginning of my senior year in the fall and uh, as soon as I got on your website I think I had about eight different offers within three weeks and this was before I even played my senior season yet so <laughs> i I wasn't really sure what to do but uh finally I've got an offer to go to France that I really couldn't turn down it uh seemed like the perfect situation and uh, I kind of agreed to the contract terms and everything but I couldn't tell anybody because I still had my senior season to play and uh, I'm sure the NCAA wouldn't uh, like to hear that too much that it already signed a contract so I, uh, I kept it down and didn't tell anybody really until we finished our last game in uh, my senior year awesome so and so
1: that was in 2014. 14, yeah. Yeah. So the website was only about a little over a year old at that point. Um, so, or maybe maybe a little little older than that. Um, but you were still one of the original guys on there. So it's nice to hear that you were getting that, that amount of attention at that point. Um, you know, it just goes to show how many clubs were using it then and, and what it's grown to now. But on the other end of it, there's more competition now. There's just more guys on the website. So it's not as easy to stand out. But... Um,
0: yeah, every every year the offers have gone down definitely. So yeah. it, it went from getting about a total of fourteen my first year to probably five the second year to not really any this past year. Yeah, <laughs>
1: so, it's, it's it's definitely yeah. That's that's kind of the the growth of the website and and. You know, there's a lot of talent on there these days, and it just makes it stiff competition. Uh, which comes down to often the position you play and what you do. So, um, when you were in college, what were your primary positions, and and were you also, you know, a
0: two-way player at that time? Um, not really. Um, I did. Uh, I'd never really pitched before my sophomore year of college, and uh, when I went to that JUCO, the coach just kind of came to me he's like uh we're gonna make you a pitcher as well you know you're gonna start at third base but we're gonna have you pitch and i was for it you know i just wasn't sure how it would turn out and i actually did really well uh most of the time i was in relief uh but uh i finally got a start near the end of the year and ended up throwing like 11 innings and uh we gave up two runs and then we ended up losing it in 15 but uh and that kind of seemed to have opened up a door of like pitching but uh... then when i uh... when i went to uh... memphis i uh... came in and was third base again but then they moved me to shortstop really quick Mm -hmm. and uh... but never used me as a pitcher until my second year there and uh... so my uh, senior year i ended up being like the game one starter played uh... shortstop the rest of the games but then i was always first in relief as well so Wow, it turned into a lot of pitching. <laughs> it's
1: not too too often you you hear that you know at, at the college level, but um, but when you do hear that or you do have that kind of experience, that is what really will get you a lot of offers overseas. And I'm sure that's why you've had success with that, um, because that's what they're looking for. Often is a two way guy, as you as you now know. Um, so when you so you got those offers um, and you signed with the French Cubs in France. And at that time, they were um, just
0: promoted to the first division. Uh, yeah, 2014 was their first year ever in the first division France. So.
1: Yeah. So coming in, like you, you know. You didn't uh, really know what to expect, I'm, I'm guessing, or or. But knowing, knowing, it sounds like to me, and my impression to you is that you know you're going to do your research um, and you're going to be proactive. So, um, did you have an idea? Where, like, were you surprised at all coming in? Was was there anything that surprised you, or did you kind of have a good idea what you were signing up for?
0: I actually, uh, I did as much research as I could, but I actually had absolutely no idea what to expect coming in. Um, even I—I'd never spoken through anybody on the club through Skype or anything like that. So never seen anybody. Uh, the only contact I had with them was through emails and and then like getting my contract in the mail and stuff. And you know, after that, you know, I just received a plane ticket, and <laughs> so I mm-hmm. uh, basically went to the airport, got on the plane, and was just hoping that somebody was going to be there at the airport to pick me up. <laughs> yeah and uh so so i uh but uh of course i got off the airplane and they had somebody there and like all french cubs gear all like blue and obviously stood out quite a bit in the airport so yeah well i mean my
1: interaction with them has been that they are you know they're trying their best to be as professional as possible and i i feel like you know that's what they're I'm not surprised to see like, you know, that they were that professional sending you a ticket in the mail is not a lot of clubs actually do that. Um yeah. so that was that's a little surprising to hear because that is a little bit of a risk that they just gave somebody a free trip to Europe that may never show up, you know. Like, um so or, or you know, maybe you sh- you get off the plane in disguise and then just go
0: travel Europe. <laughs> and then, yeah, they, and, and I believe they had, they had a couple bad experiences with that, and that's something I believe they've learned about here in the past couple of years. Because uh, in in their first year in the Vision One, they uh, I want to say we brought they brought over around seven guys, and uh, a lot of it was just not working out, and then having to pay for them to to go home, and so basically guys were getting a free round trip to France and yeah. who probably didn't belong there. So, but that's something that they're learning from and, yeah. you know, will to help them develop and become stronger in the future.
1: Yeah. I recall that too. I remember they had some bad luck and I, I guess that's just part of growing as a club too, is learning, you know, what you're looking for in an import, like you not to act too fast and to act the right, ask the right questions. And sometimes it is, you are rolling dice a little bit, but I mean, um, there's a lot you can do to, to make sure it's the it's the right kind of guy and, and um, that's usually where we come in handy here too is if we offer that scouting service to help them with that especially these clubs that are kind of new to importing um, yeah but I'm, I'm sure they're they got a good handle on it now and so they brought you in as um, a player coach didn't they
0: uh second year uh, after my first year uh, they uh, they had a guy in the club who was the coach but he didn't really want to do it and so as for an offer they wanted me to return back for 2015 and uh, they had heard that I wanted to perf- like uh, pursue a career in coaching once I'm done playing in the US and so they, uh, they got the idea together to offer me to come back as a player coach and, mm-hmm. and so of course I really liked the sound of that at the time and jumped on it pretty quick yeah so I know that's not an easy thing to do as well. Uh, I learned that really quick too as well <laughs> a,
1: <laughs> it adds a lot more stress to the situation, yeah, especially as a guy you know you're probably in your mid twenties at that point uh early to mid twenties and and uh that's that's a lot to to have on your shoulders and um uh, there's a lot of expectations I, I and I know that um you know clubs overseas aren't paying you know a tremendous amount of money but they have a lot of expectations that come along with it and that's just kind of the standard so it's it's not just them it's, it's across Europe and it's Australia and um but there's definitely a lot in your plate as a player coach um trying to maintain your own level of play focus on your own game while also yeah i, I i've been there <laughs> so and and I've been around uh you know quite a bit longer than you have and and I, I still it's too much for me i did it last year and i'm like no i'm not doing that again either i'm a coach or i'm a player but um but i mean i think i guess if you do that for a few years and you know you can you know you kind of find your footing with it and 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 become something that uh you're comfortable with um but it's definitely not an easy thing to do um so you spent two years in france um let's talk about uh off the field a little bit like uh, did you get some did you get a lot of traveling in at that point and
0: yeah I, uh, an I actually got quite a bit of traveling and uh, that's that's something I like to take advantage of while I'm over here and uh, in the French League they have a really strange uh, scheduling system and so both years I was there they basically had a month off during the middle of the season where there were no games Not none of the teams would play any games for that whole month they, uh, they took their holidays off with work and baseball so mm-hmm. um, you know that obviously opened up you know a full month of travel time there and uh, uh, my first year I was able to um, take a, a pretty good sized trip through Belgium, Germany and Switzerland and uh, and see a lot of sights uh, one of my more uh, trips I was glad to take was uh, going to Normandy for the 70th anniversary of D-Day that year as well and I say I actually uh, slept on the beach on Omaha Beach that night of June fifth and woke up for the anniversary on the sixth. And I uh, just jumped on a train and decided that was something I wanted to be there for. And I didn't have anywhere to stay or any means of travel once I got there, so I did a lot of walking and uh... then just crashed on the beach that night after the fireworks show. And that's cool. Which was a, it was a, yeah, quite an amazing experience. Yeah, that's unreal.
1: I, I like that too. I like that spur of the moment kind of just travel around without really any, you know. That's what yeah. backpacking's all about, right there.
0: Yeah, and Sweet. I'd say I got I got up there to the town of Bayou, and I, I didn't even think about how to get from Bayou to the beach at the time, and so I had a full pack on and everything, and I was just like, well, I'm just going to start walking, and uh, I, I probably walked for two hours in the wrong direction before I uh, finally got picked up. I started. uh decided to hitchhiking even though there weren't any cars around on this road and a uh, an old english couple who were driving around in american army jeep finally stopped and picked me up no <laughs> and way. they actually drove me to the beach <laughs> oh that's cool
1: right on so anything else any other uh, traveling or uh traveling stories or even just um like obviously, you spent some time in Paris. How was that experience?
0: Uh, yeah, um, the Bastille Day in Paris, I would say, is something that anybody who gets a chance to do. Uh, July Fourteenth, uh, just a absolute huge party, basically, and uh, right there near the Eiffel Tower and stuff. And uh, I know a lot of the import guys and players usually get together for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never went. I uh, I took my dad there when he came to visit, and you know it's it was just an unbelievable experience for that um, and then a huge fireworks show off the Eiffel Tower and uh, so I would say that was probably my best uh, Paris experience but uh, we were only about an hour car or train ride from Paris so we got to go in into t- into the city about any chance we wanted to mm-hmm. and uh, uh, my second year I also uh, did a big uh, big travel towards um, we went and saw like the Champagne region of France, which I would also recommend. And we did like champagne tastings and stuff like that, which yeah. was pretty good. And then I did a, a tour down to Verdun to do a lot of the World War One sites and uh, see that. And then to Bastogne in Belgium to see where the Battle of Bulge and all that. So I've definitely tour. seen a lot of history stuff. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: Yeah, and you hear of the guys that are in Montpellier and places like that, and they, they're basically their stories are, Oh, I was on the beach every day, <laughs> you know. But you were doing the history tour, so good on you there. Um,
0: it's not quite as warm in the north of France. So, uh, I did the beach a lot, but <laughs> it's a little bit colder there than Montpellier. Yeah. So, um,
1: as far in as term, in terms of baseball, how did you find uh you know i've I've asked this question a number of times to other guys that have played in france but this is will be a more recent podcast uh and things do tend to you know improve um but i, I my impression from the outside looking in is that the there's quite a a range in, in terms of level of play um you know from from rouen down down to the bottom of the league uh, i do see that the cubs have made some strides over the years like they've they've um you know tacked on a few more wins, but they're definitely struggling to compete with those top clubs. Um, so what, what's your impression on the league in terms of competitiveness?
0: Um, yeah, you've got basically, I would say, the top top three teams. Uh, Ruin, Sonar, and Montpellier are going to be the top teams in the league almost every year. Um, then you've got some middle-range clubs like uh, Toulouse and um you know, a couple of those guys. Uh, Clermont jumped from this was their first year, and I've mm-hmm. kept an eye on it. And I know they've kind of gone up into a middle of the middle of the league type of club as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seemed basically every year that the French Cubs and uh, Savini were going to be at the bottom of the league. Yeah. But uh, you know, even still, you know, we finished in last place. I think both years, and I think they finished in last place again this year. But uh even still, like, you know, we had games that we competed with, you know, the top teams. Uh mm-hmm. our uh, our pitching import last year, uh Raynor, uh, you know, we uh we lost one to nothing to uh Ruin, you know, who had, I don't think had lost a game up to that point. Yeah. But it just it just happened to be the game that Owen from Ruin threw a perfect game against us and uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. It was a one zero perfect game that we had thrown against us, but uh and they managed to score one run off of air in the eighth, and I think that was it. Um, but, uh, and then we uh, we even beat Montpellier, I believe, once one of the years, and we beat Sonart once one of the years. But, uh, you know, it's just from overall aspect, you know, those teams can compete every game, and we could only compete if everything went perfect for us. Yeah, so, yeah I understand. You
1: know, it's, it's, it, that's just going to come with years and, you know, um, with the young guys coming up and developing and that's what your job is, bringing you in for that. And, you know, I, I see them really, it seems like they're investing uh, a lot into improving uh, the, their level of play. And it seems like it's a good organization there, um, is my impression from the outside. So um, how did you, how was the setup there? And, and I know the facilities are pretty nice as well.
0: Yeah, um, they actually, even this off-season, or during this season, they build in uh, some actual stands and bleachers. So there's actually a place to sit and watch the games there now, which adds to it a little bit because we never had that before. Um, And then uh, this off-season, I've heard they're actually uh, turfing the infield. And uh, so it rains there a lot, so that will definitely help out. But uh, as far as for an import, uh, We stayed both my years at like a it was what I would call an extended stay hotel, which was about five minutes from the field. Uh, It was actually really nice. It you know it had everything we needed, and it was close to the field, and it was out from the city, which was a little more relaxing and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, They gave us a car to use. It was a nice uh, like early '90s probably Citroen French car thing. Yeah, Uh, but it. Definitely got the job done because we treated it not the best manners all the time, and it kept running, so, uh, but, uh, you know, as far as the setup, uh, I mean, there's a, we had a team bar basically in town that, you know, most of the club would go and be at every Friday night, and so there was a a lot of, you know, team bonding kind of going on outside of baseball as well, you know, it felt like the guys were always together and stuff, so,
1: that's really cool. You know, that's not always the case. Um, so it, when, whenever you can land in with a club like that, especially as an import who has a lot of free time, <laughs> it, it's, nice, it's <laughs> nice if you have a club that kind of spends a lot of time together. And then obviously they show you around and, and um, you know, sometimes uh, take you out for dinner or invite you into their homes and things like that. So, so that's always a good thing. And I think a good way to find out about a club that you're potentially going to sign with is to speak to a previous import. Um, about how how it was and that, that how that experience was and how they took care of you. Um, I know a lot of people probably listening to this that are interested in playing in France maybe these days are a little, little concerned about safety. Um, you know, obviously you were there before any major terrorist attacks that have happened recently, but did you feel at any time like, you know, that you were in danger while you were there or did you feel intimidated in any way or did, or did you just travel around and everything French, you know, how were the French people, were they quite welcoming and what was your experience in that regard?
0: Um, I mean, I was there, uh, after my first year, I believe the, it was when the first, right after I got home was the first terrorist attack. Uh, I believe that was the Charlie Hebdo one. Mm-hmm. And then in between sometime that there's happened was the other one at the meat market. And, uh, honestly you know i never felt it um you know i wasn't there during the times which i'm sure was different but uh you know i traveled in paris a lot you know I always used the metro and you know crowds of people and stuff but you know i, I never felt worried about it and honestly i never thought about it you know it, it never was an issue that came up that i felt that i was in a bad situation mm-hmm. um but as far as the French people, I mean, it's it seemed the same for them. You know, they it's like they were aware of the situations, but they they seemed to be really good at not. It, it didn't bother them. It didn't change their lifestyle. But the uh, the only notice you could really come from it was security, because a lot of the times early on, like I would go places and you would never see security. And you know, when I went back to visit Paris this year, uh, back in June you know there were police walking around with like submachine guns everywhere and stuff like that and yeah. uh and so and that was during even I went back during the European Cup as well and all the viewing areas were just crawling with police and they had it blocked off with security which I'd never seen before but mm-hmm. that was also right after the attacks down in Nice as well so yeah. but uh as far as feeling in danger I you know it it, it never really occurred and uh Honestly, you know, I don't think it should be an issue for anybody. Um, you know, as long as you're, you know, at least smart in a sense. To, you know, I, I did a few things there where it wasn't exactly smart. You know, I got, I got stuck in Paris once and had to sleep out on the street and uh, outside the train station. And you know, maybe, maybe that was not the smartest idea in the world. But, uh, but as far as from any kind of the recent terrorist attacks, you know, I. I don't feel that it should be a factor for anybody, anybody coming to play baseball.
1: Yeah. I think you should be on alert when you're in crowded places. Yeah. But, you know, short of that, you know, the odds are, are pretty slim of, of you being at, at, you know, caught in a situation like that. Um, did you find it the ease of travel and, the, you know, the understanding of the language? Or, like, how did you find just being a citizen in France and, and getting about uh, as, a you know, as a an American?
0: Um, I'd say I I learned my French was obviously not very well, uh, especially with my accent that I kind of have. It French does not come out of my mouth very well, but uh, um, you know I learned enough to order foods at restaurants, especially fast food. So uh, that that, along with a couple other little words, was about all I picked up in two years. Um, I didn't study it that hard. I did more traveling rather than trying to study it. But, uh, you know, I, I learned enough just to manage to get around. And uh, as far as traveling, you know, I uh, it, it's really simple. Um, you know, the trains are perfect in France. They're a little expensive. But uh, I also learned the bus, a lot of the bus routes and stuff like that, which turned out to be a lot cheaper. And so, and then I had people there helping me out, uh, um, you know, a couple of those trips. uh people in the club like would help help with like a car or something and you know uh, a good friend of mine actually drove us for some of those trips and which uh, helped out a lot so cool. we had a lot of people helping us out.
1: Yeah, so it's always nice when you have that support, um, and when you don't know the language, it's difficult. And I've heard that in France, that they, you know, the English isn't so prevalent, like there's not a lot of people that, that speak English too well. So that's something to consider when going there, but maybe brush up on your French before you go. But Okay, so let's move on from France. You um, You never did go to Australia during the winter, so you've always gone home and I guess worked to save yeah. up to go back to Europe again kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so then that led to Germany, so you just wanted to change pace, try something different?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, after last year, I I really didn't get any offers to to come back anywhere, but, you know, I wasn't ready to to finish yet, you know, I had a pretty good year last year, and felt that I could still compete, so uh, I... uh, Use the situation and uh I got on the email and started emailing teams. Uh like I think I looked it up the other day and I emailed nineteen different clubs mm-hmm. this off season and uh and you know, uh got like uh, same situation in college, I got maybe a couple replies and yeah. uh and uh what ended up really being the only offer was to come here in Dortmund. And so I uh Came to Dortmund. Uh, basically, paid my way. They told me that they would set me up with a place to live and uh, take care of the rest. But it's, you know, if I could pay my way, that I was more than welcome to come. So mm-hmm. you know, with nothing else, I jumped on that. And because uh, I, from early on, I wanted to get into the German league. That was a goal of mine to at least play one year in Germany. So I, see. I was uh, glad I was able to do that this year. So those 19 clubs were primarily
1: German-focused then? Because I feel like there's a, a lot more clubs out there than 19. So uh, so you were focusing on going to Germany? Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. And the German Bundesliga, the top division, was your focus? Yeah, I uh,
0: I think I basically sent emails to every one of the top German league teams, uh, even offering to pay my way and stuff like that. And like I said, I think out of, out of all of them, I got two replies. One was from Cologne and one was from Dortmund. And, and uh, Cologne kind of edged it alone for a while, and then just kind of dropped it off the table without telling me. So it wasn't yeah. wasn't very helpful. But uh, um, and then there was a couple other ones from uh, different countries as well, and a few of the top teams in France. Because I thought about trying to return back to France for a different team, but uh, nothing ever came of it. But
1: well, I, 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 I think it is. It I think it is worth. Pointing out that you're like the website has evolved and changed a little bit since you first signed up. So back then you were just one of the just one of the profiles that were on there, but now they've been separated into um, two different like a silver and gold, and then one's unverified, verified. So you've gone the the free, cheap route, and but you're very proactive, you know, as we've gathered in this podcast by, you know, emailing all those colleges and emailing all these clubs in Europe. And you've been able to do it without spending any money, which is a part of the website that I also, um, you know, I'm proud that there is that possibility through the website. And that's how it started off, and I always wanted to keep a version of that for guys like yourself that um, are – You know, go-getters or or we'll take the bull by the horns and and go out there and and try and do it. I do feel, however, if you had um, the verified profile this last year, you would have got a lot of offers as a two-way player. I know it's not easy in Germany in the German Bundesliga, especially within the top half of the North and South Division, like the top clubs. It's definitely not easy to get on with one of those clubs without um, some pro baseball experience uh, in the U.S., Um, but I do feel like you you would have had a slew of offers for sure as a two way player and a coach and a player coach. Those are in quite high demand and you've done them at a, at a good level so um I feel like I feel like you can keep going for as long as you want um, if that's the case uh, so if you had emailed every single club in Czech Republic and Switzerland and Sweden and Austria, you definitely would have had uh you know a number of offers for sure, and that that's no doubt. Um, And the same goes with Australia, Uh, I I find, you know, it's just the two-way players and those with coaching experience are are in high demand, so I I wanted to point that out in this podcast for anyone that's listening that, you know, if if you really do have that kind of background, um, especially at shortstop too, um, shortstop and pitching, like two of the positions are in the highest demand, so uh, I feel like you can keep going as long as you want, so um germany how did how was that experience did you find that well i already know the answer to this question it's a lot easier to kind of get around and and you know uh as far as the german language i know that's not so easy to pick up but i think it's a little easier to pick up and the german people do speak english quite well so what was your experience in germany let's say off the field to begin with
0: um you know it's as far as country in total, no disrespect of course to France, but I I've really enjoyed uh Germany a lot, probably a little bit better at least. Um, I took two years of German in school, so that actually helps a little bit, but uh, you know, I, I can carry a beginning of a conversation here, something that I might not have could have done in France. But um uh, I've also done a lot of traveling here. Uh, the transportation system in Germany seems to be a lot better to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the Flixbus, which is probably an import dream because it goes anywhere for really cheap and uh, can take uh, take buses overnight, or basically wherever you want to go. So. That's the second time I've heard of that
1: now, Flixbus, is that F-L-I-X?
0: Yes, I believe so. Okay. I've got it. They've got like an app on the phone here. Um, yep, F-L-I-X. Mm-hmm. And it goes everywhere. And uh, if you get it, you know, at least a week in advance, it's extremely cheap. That's how I got to Prague this year and stuff. And mm-hmm. nice... Uh, 11 hour bus ride, but uh, I'll look, I'll look more was, in.
1: Yeah, that's a tough bus ride. <laughs> I'm gonna look a little more into it, but from your knowledge, is that available only to people that are 30 and younger, which is BS? I think is. I would love, no. I, I want some deals, man. I, I'm not a senior citizen
0: yet, but I'm not uh, a, a youth either, so um, no, it's uh, it's everybody, um, you know, it seems to be the cheapest mode of transportation, which you know, in turn, you're gonna get some interesting people on the bus as well with you for yeah. the night so uh, it's uh it's an experience but it's you know when you're on a budget especially it's it's the way to get around you know it's with a tra- train you know you can have a train from Dortmund here to Munich for uh, you know 150 euro or you can take the bus for 12 yeah so, yeah exactly it's, it's definitely helped out a lot um what's Dortmund like is uh, Dortmund's great. I uh, actually made my first 4 uh, B game Saturday when they uh, they played Mainz, and mm. that was definitely a really cool experience. Uh, I've never been to a, a soccer or a foosball game yeah. to that kind of scale, so um, I had an absolute great time at that. Um, yeah, for sure. Dortmund's got yeah they got a big club there for for not a very
1: large town from my recollection. I think maybe what a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand, or something.
0: Yeah, it's it's probably up there. It's a huge city to me because I'm from a small town, but uh, yeah. but it, it's I mean the the stadium's like eighty five, eighty six thousand, and wow. they sell out every game. So there's, yeah. you know, it's, they say it's the best fan base in Germany. So wow. I I can believe it after being there. Yeah, the population's definitely got to be bigger than If the stadium's that big, I do know
1: they're <laughs> big, a big yeah. uh, football-slash-soccer club. I remember this summer in Canada seeing, you know, advertising for watching Dortmund play, you know. So, on, you know, you can watch it on the Sports Channel back back in Canada or the U.S. So, um, that's cool. Well, yeah, I just went to my first soccer game as well, and it wasn't quite on that scale, but pretty big scale. The Red bull uh soccer team, so... Um, yeah. F- sorry. 572,000. Okay. That's half a million. That's a little bit. Yeah. Here. There we go. Cool. So Dortmund, when you, so there was plenty to do, is it a college town or? Uh,
0: yeah, there is a university. Um, I wouldn't say there's plenty to do, but you know, I've made, um, you know, the downtown center city area is really nice. Uh, the other nice thing is it's kind of a central area for beers, so mm-hmm. there is a, a a lot of local different types of beers around mm-hmm. and, you know, getting to try them has Never been there. a good experience as well.
1: Yeah, so if you had to like, you know, this may piss a couple people off, but if you had to like compare the beer in, in France and Germany, uh, where you, where you, which way are you going there?
0: It's not even close. The beer in in Germany has been much better. Uh, And then uh, so many more options. What I I really like in Germany is every city has their own types of beers. So it's like you can drink the Dortmund beer here, but then when you go to Paderborn, you've got the Paderborner there. Or Mm -hmm. when you go to Cologne, you've got the, uh, I forget the name of their beer there, but it's pretty good too. And so wherever you travel, you can try different beers and you know, it's definitely makes for more of an adventure thing. I've taken that as to wherever I travel. I try the local beers and stuff, so.
1: Yeah. And what about the traditional food in comparison between France and Germany?
0: Uh, it's, it's close. Uh, you know, I had, I had my dishes in France that, you know, they took a lot of pride in their cooking. So I don't want to disrespect their dishes because I know how they take that. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I learned to cook a little bit in France of like traditional French dishes, and I fell in love with a dish called like tartiflette or something like that. And yeah. uh, what is it? You know, it was potato, cheese, and ham. It was really simple oh, to make. That sounds great. And it was just all mixed together. And yeah. so I, uh, I had someone teach me how to make it and stuff. And but uh, then coming to Germany is more me because it's more of a meat based diet you know you got the sausage you got the the schnitzel and Mm -hmm. all that different types of stuff so that's basically what I live off of sausage curry verse and you know schnitzels and stuff like that so speaking of beer and sausages you gonna make your way to Oktoberfest Uh, unfortunately not Uh, you know I'll be heading home the 13th here in September so I, I won't quite make it in time to go down there but it's it's on the to-do list for in the future definitely
1: okay well i need to wrap it up pretty quick we're at 35 minutes and not a lot of people listen much longer than half hour but we do need to talk (laughs) about finkston and and Prague baseball week and those experiences um so this was um the first year i got to meet you in person you actually crashed in my attic which was kind (laughs) of which is kind of funny um and, uh, yeah, so you, you came to Austria here and played in our local tournament, international tournament. So, um,
0: yeah, how was that experience for you? Um, you know, I, I still say that that week, weekend of playing was still probably one of my most favorite weekends, uh, you know, in Europe in total. You know, it, it might have had something to do with playing really well. You know, it definitely helped out. but Yeah. Sure. You know, I, I love the atmosphere, you know, being able to stay after the games at the clubhouse and y'all put on a pretty good-sized party there and stuff. And, you know, it was a small-town atmosphere. But, uh, you know, it still still was just a great environment to kind of play in, even though the weather was a little bit – so didn't help out as much this year. <laughs> yeah, most definitely, yeah. So it was a good time. If you could manage, yeah.
1: you know – the the baseball with the alcohol intake uh you know keep it reasonable which i think you did a good job of um compared to some people <laughs> that stayed in the house um won't mention any names um but uh so i uh, you know it's a, it's a good experience that's, that's for sure and and yeah uh w- yeah and you, you did you get to play on more than one team as well
0: no i uh, only played for the darn set team uh yeah i use the the rest of the time to instead of playing to do Some other activities and stuff, so uh, but well, I, I can't. take it you're a large reason why,
1: or I know you'll be modest about this, but a large part of the reason why they they won the championship or the the Finkston Ball 2016 being a second division German team coming in and winning isn't an easy feat without a little help. So I know they did pick up a few guys, uh, but uh, I, I I think they have a pretty good team as it is, and just the help of a couple more guys, um, you know, you got a solid team there, and and uh. Uh, pulled off the, the the championship win there, so uh, so that led to then uh, shortly after or a month later down the road, you played for the international stars at Prague Baseball Week, which is a little different but somewhat similar. Um, you know, it, there is a little bit of baseball slash party, but it's, I think a little more. Uh, it's it's you know the the party side of it's in Prague downtown, and uh, you know it's it's a little easier to kind of not get caught up in, in that side of it and be more focused on baseball so how was that experience playing with that um
0: caliber of team uh, you know it's when you're playing for the club teams and stuff you know it's 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 a great experience to do for the whole year but then getting the chance to go play with some of those guys that we had there in Prague was you know it's something I've never got to do in my life you know um all my teams even college and stuff like i said we're kind of low low division teams so it's it's good to finally get somewhere and play with high caliber players and you know for me it's a learning experience and uh you know and you know if i'm doing good and you know competing right along with them you know it kind of gives me a little confidence in myself and and all that which prog this year you know at, you know, the first couple days went pretty well for me. I was going right along, but then I had a little collapse on the the Friday night game, which didn't uh, didn't help me out too much. And uh, but I uh, I felt that I had a lot of pressure. You know, like I said, first time playing with a bunch of high caliber players, and uh, one mistake kind of got in my head and uh, kicked off a little disaster there. But uh, it's uh, you know something I uh, can learn from. You know, I. Uh, I had a lot of the other guys, you know, helping pick me up and stuff like that, and we were still able to win the championship. So, it uh, anytime you get, to, I get to travel and play for a team that, you know, getting a, a winning experience, you know, it's something, it's a, it's something good to learn from for me, and you know, just yeah. having a good time for sure. Me as a as a bench coach. I'm more of an observer
1: and it's just kind of you know I'm still playing uh, here in Austria but it's so but it's fun for me to kind of watch how all these professional players kind of handle themselves in their their pregame preparation um, um, despite being up till four or five in the morning the like night before um, it's it's kind of fun just to watch you know just to sit and watch these guys perform and play at the level that they do. Um, and then the bonding experience, you know, all these guys that are kind of going through the same thing at the same time. Uh, all their careers have led them overseas to Europe for one reason or another. And um, just sharing their stories and the bonds that they make in those five days, it's pretty amazing. You know, they just they, they carry a lifetime, it seems. Um, I know the international stars have only been around a few years, but it seems like these guys make bonds that, um, you know, are, are going to last for a long time and and also it opens some more doors sometimes as well you know often they'll you know help each other find another club whether it's in australia in the winter or, or europe the next year so great experience at uh, prague itself the city is unreal uh, um, I, I know i saw some touristy pictures uh that you threw up on facebook so i know you took full advantage of that what was your impression of the city
0: i uh, i loved it i am um I actually didn't go out much during the week. I uh, decided to stay in, get some sleep and be rested for the games because I can't uh, I can't stay out all night and then turn around and play like a couple games during the day like a lot of those guys did. So uh, I uh, I never went out really late, but then the last day I was there, uh I uh, went in and basically did the whole city in a couple hours and um I loved it. You know, I as soon as the people were asking about it I told them it was probably one of the most beautiful cities I've seen in Europe so far like you know I definitely want to go back there and spend some more time in the city and it's it's a must see on the on the list of things to go see in New York for sure Oh,
1: 100% you know if you, if you google online top you know top tourist destinations in europe prague's usually right up one two and the beer alone and how cheap it is is worth worth the visit to anywhere in the czech republic so um cool man well i appreciate the time what's what's your plans right now are you you're looking to come back to europe next year yeah i uh i'm
0: still on the the europe plan uh at least hopefully a couple more years you know you know taking it one year at a time but Looking out, I want to at least come back a couple more years, and there's still a lot of stuff I want to see and do. And yeah. as long as I'm able to still play baseball, I want to keep doing it over here. So. In longer term,
1: uh, are you going to be involved in baseball to some capacity in the states, or or
0: is it you know nine to five eventually? Uh, no, I, I I'm not sure I could do the nine to five. I, I do that during the off season as a substitute teacher, and uh, yeah. Learn that's not for me. So, uh, I want to turn uh, turn my coaching and playing experiences and kind of work my way up through the, the university and uh, try to, you know, work at coaching at a university or something like that. But so, I'm trying to find work with connections with that and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens when it gets there. And I know it's a tough, tough job to pursue and not a lot of opportunities, but trying to make something of it. For
1: sure. I think your overseas experience
0: can definitely um, support
1: that. So there's no question in my mind. So cool, man. Well, thanks for taking the time and uh, best of luck down the road here. And hopefully we'll see you at Prague Baseball Week and Fingston Ball next year, wherever you end up. And uh, yeah, any last minute advice, last second advice here for anyone looking to take their career overseas for the first time
0: uh, just just do it you know it's uh, a lot of the times it's not a big risk situation you know if you got the club paying for flights and stuff like that you know there's you know a lot of the just leaving homes the big reason for a lot of people not to do it but I think once you get over here you'll learn that it's you know it's it would just be a, a well worth it for the experience and stuff so if you get the chance just do it you know perfect that's Thanks, Josh. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me. Yep, Can you hang on for a second when we hang up? Yeah. Perfect. For sure. Hey, guys, that wraps up episode number 66. I want to thank Josh for taking the time to tell his story and uh, wish him the best of luck in the coming years. I know he plans to return to Europe, so uh, we'll, I'm sure I'll run into him again next summer, wherever he ends up. Once again, thanks for listening, you guys, and until next time, take care, everybody.